10-5, he's into the end zone, touchdown Arkansas State. Deflected into the hands of Feltz, Avery for three, hits! Cover is safe, the Red Wolves have walked it off! Welcome to the Second to None Podcast, the A-State Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else, Matt Stoltz and Brad Bobo. And we welcome you once again to the Second to None Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Matt and Brad with you. Hope everyone had a great Memorial Day weekend. And this past week, you started to see some of the things on social media, just kind of reminding you that even though baseball season just wrapped up, we are now inside 100 days away from A-State football. It'll be here before you know it. To the rant, now it means we're we're in we're in annoying (laughs) countdown season. Yeah, it can get to be a little bit much. <laughs> I'll let you save that. Uh, well, it wasn't going to be, but that's when you when you were talking about it being inside 100, I was like, oh, crap, here come the countdowns. Well, and it came at the same time. It may have been the same day that some of the first game times were actually released. The season opener at home against Grambling State on September 3rd will be a 6 o'clock kick. That's what we would have yep. expected for that. Yep. The television broadcast will be on ESPN3. Then the following week, the Red Wolves make the trip up to Columbus, the much-anticipated game against Ohio State. This is right up our alley. The best part. It's an 11 a.m. Yeah. kick. And for me and you, nobody's more excited about those <laughs> 11 a.m. kicks on the road than us and and i'm sure people other places are the same way only two guys ever happy about having to get to a football stadium at seven in the morning and that's the way it works because at home we love the six o'clock kicks that that's fine with us but we enjoy those 11 a.m kickoffs on the road because we're back just that much sooner by the way hey not not to make light and i I hope people understand because maybe this was the only good thing but if so, it was the one good thing about the COVID season, especially oh, yeah. when you had so many people not playing or this, that, other. Man, we had daytime kicks left and right. Well, and that Kansas State game was on Fox, remember? Yep. That was where the television broadcast was, but that was an 11 a.m. start. And w- driving, right? We drove. I got home from the Kansas State game earlier than I got home from the Memphis game by like two hours. So 11 a.m. for the start time against Ohio State, and I can pretty much guarantee you right now, we'll be back from Columbus sooner than we will the following week when we go (laughs) to Memphis, because on September 17th, that's a 6 o'clock start time. And we were talking about the television stuff. Ohio State, that'll be on the Big Ten Network. Memphis will be ESPN+. And but we'll, we know I'm, everybody's going to be synced well, up to the radio. We'll broadcast. save you the uh, we'll save you the hunting right now. You don't have Big Ten Network. Listen, I'm going to save you the hundred day <laughs> countdown of figuring out whether you have Big Ten Network. And just tell you, you don't. We'll take care of you though. <laughs> we promise. But six o'clock the start time for the Memphis game. So we've got those first three start times in the books. Yes. Now before we because we're we're about to shift before we change sports, I would have. Sneak some housekeeping. Number one, if you're listening to this, 
I don't know that we often enough to thank you for listening to this. And hopefully, if you listen to it with any regularity, you've clicked the subscribe button. Whatever platform you're getting it, whether it's Apple, TuneIn, Spotify, whatever, subscribe. But I, I put this on social media, but I want to put it out there to the folks who are actually users of the podcast. We're to the summer months. So in our line of work, for me with a talk show and us with this podcast, you got to go about conducting business a little differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it really, it, the good side is it gives you a chance, uh, like with my show and here too, to maybe just go find some good stories to tell. So if you're a listener of this podcast and you've got somebody, y- y- there's somebody you'd like to hear from. There's somebody with an Arkansas state tie you'd like us to catch up with or somebody with an Arkansas state tie that has a good story that you know that we don't. Let us know. We'll turn it into a future edition of the podcast. And if we use your idea, we'll shout you out even. Who do you want to hear from this summer? You can get either one of us on our social media or the podcast has a Twitter feed at second number two ND to none pod. Find us on social media and let us know who you'd like to hear from during the summer. And I'll tell you this, the best part of this podcast has been just catching up and hearing these stories and going in depth with these yep. guests and we've got another great guest coming up here in a few minutes who has an amazing story and gina bowman really looking forward to that visit coming up but yeah i'd love to hear from our fans out there who they want to hear from especially over these summer months as we obviously try to keep arkansas state the focus leading all the way into football season. You mentioned shifting gears into another sport. Track and field was at regionals this past weekend. 16 Red Wolves earned the trip to Fayetteville to compete in the West prelims and had some good showings. But our buddy Bennett Pascoe, with the best showing, he earns another trip to nationals he'll return to the ncaa outdoor championships he placed 10th overall in the men's 3000 meter steeplechase on friday night bennett in fact ran a season best time in that event to earn an automatic bid after finishing second in his heat now he'll move on to race in the semifinals at nationals on wednesday night june 8th that'll be in eugene oregon should he qualify for that final that final race will be Friday, June the 10th. But Bennett had a great showing last year, and I know he has really been focused on this event, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. Yeah, and getting him in here and got some experience now. And him tell us all about it. He now becomes the last Arkansas State Athlete of the Year competing. The one. The one, yeah. He, he's the last one to wear Arkansas State across their chest and compete. So we hope he's got two more races in him. Nobody is more synonymous with Arkansas State than our next guest, and we're really looking forward to our visit with Gina Bowman. It's coming up next here on the Second to None podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. When we play today, we win something bigger than ribbons or trophies. We win our tomorrows. Wherever we play, wherever we fight, wherever we overcome odds, we're winning our way. Simmons Bank is committed to supporting women athletes in the communities we serve and are proud to be an official sponsor of A-State Women's Athletics. Not just for a season, but for a winning future. Seasons are short, but fierce is forever. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. And we welcome you back in to the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. We are thrilled to be joined in studio by someone who 
After 46 years at Arkansas State University, 32 of those as the sports information director at A-State, is retiring this week. Gina Bowman is here. How are you, Gina? I'm doing great. How about y'all? Well, we're good. And obviously, there's a lot of ground to cover. But let me ask you this, because this one I don't know that I know. What did you show up as a student intending to do? Like when you rolled in as a college student, I'm using my air quotes, what were you going to be when you grew up? I don't know. I, ever since I was, I mean, even when I was in elementary school, we had a little school newspaper and and I always liked to write stuff. And so I kind of got involved with it at an early start. And then by the time I got into high school, I worked on high school paper and then when I got to ASU, I majored in journalism and wanted to be able to do something like that. But I really didn't know anything about a sports information director's position. But I was a sports editor of the, the school paper, The Herald, and I worked with Jerry Schaefer, who was the sports information director at the time, and uh, got to know him and learned a lot. And he... Uh, Found out he was going to be able to hire somebody, so I jumped in there and applied for it and was lucky enough to get the job. Not only were you in sports information, but for so many years, you were the sports information department. And I look at it now, and we have a very good staff. Yeah. They do a great job, but with three of them, they're still spread pretty thin most of the time. There was a long stretch where... It was just you in that office. Yeah. How did you do it? Well, a lot of uh, family help, a lot of friends, uh, students who were majoring in communications had heard, you know, would hear about it. And we managed to get a little money and pay them, you know, a little bit to come help out. And, and a lot of them just volunteered. You know, it was funny at times. Like early on uh, in women's basketball, for instance, we had a person that keeps stats and do PA, <laughs> and then the other person, or a third, it usually it was just those two, but then a, there were, sometimes we had a third person who one would call the information, you know, like so-and-so shot, so-and-so rebound, you know, whatever, and then uh, that person would write it down. And then another person would say, that basket was by so-and-so, you know. So it was a challenge, but looking back on it now, it was fun. From a football sports information director standpoint, like we see it now and and what goes into it. And we can talk about how that evolved over time. But in the beginning, what did you have to do? What were the duties? What did you need to do to be the, the football SID? Well, Friday was usually the busiest time. There were times we had to carry a, a copier over to the press box. You had to run off all kinds of notes and stats and things like that and uh, deal with the, your opponent's media and their sports information director and set up interviews maybe with their coach and our coaches. Actually, the day of the game, you know, I didn't really get to see a lot of the game because we were so busy. I always kind of liked the road games because I could sit there more. They were doing the work, and <laughs> I could sit there and watch the game. But, you know, you'd go in sometimes at 7.30 or 8 and come home at 1 or 2 in the morning, especially after a ball game. And uh, 
But you know, I don't recall not liking it or getting tired or anything like that. Of course, I was a lot younger then, but it was, it was just whatever anybody wanted, that's what we did. I went back and I saw where you worked with 35 different head coaches. Yeah, that's kind of funny in a way because I, I, I told somebody that, and I said I worked with every coach except baseball. And they look kind of funny, like, well, what'd you have against baseball? And I didn't have anything against it. I liked it, but I always had a... It's a lot of games. Yeah. <laughs> always had a student, though. It, it seemed like every semester I had a student that loved baseball and wanted to work it. So I'd just kind of turn it over to them and let it be their thing to do. And uh, they were always appreciated of that and... They got to travel and keep the stats and stuff, but I'd usually try to go up to the press box on home games and, you know, offer my help, if nothing else. But. <laughs> well, I mentioned 35 head coaches, eight different athletic directors, but obviously there, there's people that stand out. And last week we had the sad news of the passing of Coach Lacewell, and I know you were sports information director for him the entire time that that he was at A-State as both head football coach and athletic director. And Mm -hmm. you had a comment in the press release that you met him the first day he came to campus at A-State and you liked him instantly. Talk about that that first meeting. Well, uh, I've always, for as long as I can remember anyway, heard of Coach Lacewell and all the success he'd had at Oklahoma. And then when we found out he was going to come and volunteer at Arkansas State, I was pretty excited. So uh, the day he got there, he's just real friendly, real open, had a little bit of an ego. I think we all know that. No, I don't believe it. (laughs) But I really liked him, and and he always treated me with great respect. That was during a time when there weren't very many women at all working in that field, and uh, he never treated me any different than none of the coaches did, but he was – he taught me a lot about football – uh, there were a few times that he'd be in the conference room watching film, and I'd sneak in there, and he'd point stuff out and what was happening, and that was always kind of a joy to see it transfer from him and the screen to the actual playing field. It's just a huge loss, not only from an athletic football point of view, but just just a good person. I knew that you know he had been ill, and then I knew that when he left – it would just break my heart, and it pretty much did. There's been a few people over the years, you know, Guy Cottrell's another one when we lost him. I hope I don't make anybody else mad, but <laughs> Coach Lacewell is the best. He was the best boss, just a, a pleasure to be around. You told funny. me. Yeah, funny. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you told me uh, right after that news came out that, yeah, he and that staff were there for so long, and you'd worked with them, obviously, from the day they got there to the day they left. And after that, you told yourself, I can't let myself get this attached to a coaching right. staff again. Yeah. It's hard, though, when you work with people so many hours Sure, during the day and the week. You know, you're you get you're around them as much as you are your family. But I, that was my first group 
you know, to work with. Coach Davidson was still the head coach when I started, but then when Coach Lacewell came, you just get to know them and be around them, and they were fun and smart about what they were doing and uh, cared about the players, you know, made sure that everything was going okay for them. They were happy, and that, uh, that sticks with you. And, of course, when they all left... It was sad, but I did say I'm not going to get close anymore. But you, you kind of do. You I can't just, help it. Yeah, I just kind of made sure I didn't get as close as I had before. But they were all good guys. You've got a great big picture perspective just because of what you've seen over the course of 46 years of working for Arkansas State. So you've seen not only. Arkansas State University grow, but the athletic department as a whole, the city of Jonesboro, and obviously the coverage of Arkansas State is much different than it was when you first started. I was telling somebody yesterday that I almost hate to tell this story, but back way back when, when we uh, were playing women's basketball and the crowds were small and... Uh, I told you it was just, you know, two or three of us doing the stats and everything. And then after the game was over, I had to beg people to run the score. I mean, literally, Mm. I was like, please just run the score, you know. And So a lot of that has changed, for one thing, and you know that, Brad. Mm -hmm. Just there was a lot more interest, I think, when Coach Lacewell came he provided a lot of personality, and his reputation was pretty solid, so that, that increased it. Earl Bell helped a lot. You know, he was going around. It was an international thing with the track and field program. They were all over the world competing and got Arkansas State's name out there. And, we, and then when uh, Ray Perkins came... I hadn't thought about him in a long time. <laughs> but he uh, actually got a lot of attention uh, from the northeast corner of the United States. He, uh, I can remember talking to people from Boston and New York and, you know, wanting to know how he was making it. It made it sound like, you know, we were just a little country area. And I remember one newspaper guy was going to come down and interview him and he said, well, do y'all have a place, you know, kind of a, a local place where everybody hangs out and it's got packed dirt floors and you sit on barrels and stuff? And I was like, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> so we sit in chairs and walk on floors like everybody else. But Who'd have thunk it? <laughs> but it's just, it was just interesting to get other perspectives of people and what they thought of Arkansas State and to me, it was great because uh, one thing about Coach Lacewell, he wasn't afraid to play anybody. He, he'd go up against anybody. You know, a lot of people will be like, well, who's Arkansas State? You know, what do we know about them? And yet he would, you know, sign contracts with Alabama and Texas A&M, Ole Miss and Oklahoma and places like that. And he gave them everything we had. <laughs> So you mentioned with Lacewell, and you, you talked about Perkins, and obviously his background. A little bit down the line, you know, Joe Hollis comes, and it's he's the offensive coordinator of Ohio State. Yeah. 
So several guys came from spots like that. How much did you have to deal with? Maybe they hadn't been to places where you had to try to do more with less. Yeah. So how much of, well, that's not how we did it at fill in the blank did you have to deal with? Quite a bit from the coaches. I never said it about, well, this is what we do. You know, I let them say whatever they thought. But, yeah, it was that was quite a bit. And, and Coach Hollis was, well, well, at Ohio State, we would do this. And I'd go, well, this isn't Ohio State. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but it was okay. I think for the most part, as they were, uh, time went on, they all learned what they were dealing with and – you know, financial situations. You know, I think a lot of the coaches took care of the well, during the good years. They took care of all the winning and building the program and were pioneers. And then in the last few years, they've continued that winning effort and made one of the most beautiful stadiums in the country. So it just, you know, it just depends on what they got on their mind, how they want to make it grow. Well, and you mentioned those times where you're begging people to – run a score and you also were there during the good times and through those early years when a state had made the transition to the fbs and the 90s as we all know were some rough years yeah how do you continue to put a positive spin on everything going on around here because that's part of what what you had to do well you know in my mind I'd always think my mother would always say, this too shall pass. <laughs> and so I didn't think it was going to last forever. We just had to go through some bad times to get to the good times. And uh, I think that was a lot of it. You just waited out. Uh, I felt bad for players and coaches who were having to live through the bad parts. But I looked at them, and, like I said, well, the pioneers of that program is kind of, you know, turned itself into a real successful program. But I'm confident that they'll continue to grow and get better. I'm glad you said something about your mom because, and your brother's with us today, and of course, Farida's been around the whole time. This stuff. It, it, it goes back to something you said. And I said, I'm really glad you mentioned your mom because you did, like, if you were short staff, I mean, you turned this thing into a family affair. Everybody had yeah. to pitch in and do their part. Yeah. My brother was always involved, and uh, uh, his wife, Melanie, yep. uh, she would, you know, get up there and run the copier and hand out stats. <laughs> and and then Fayrita Calkin, we've been friends since high school, and she always loves sports, and she works at ASU, and so she wanted to be involved, and she just, she had a degree in journalism, so she could help in a lot of different ways. But it was it was pretty much a family or friend affair, yep. and uh, that that always made me proud, and I trusted them. And, well, that support system means everything. Yeah, it does. It's not like you got in this thing to be a trendsetter or a trailblazer but you referenced it with coach lacewell earlier and then I, and, and i was going to ask you this anyway so i'm glad you did you were doing this job when not very many of any other women were being a head football sid and you've said before that you were in press boxes where the sense they didn't want you to be yeah now i i'm not trying to get you to name places but i, I do want to know this what that look like? If they were given the vibe, how did you know 
when you were in a place they didn't well, want you, you to be? Well, just felt a lot of places. I might have been the only female in there, for one thing. Or they, you know, sometimes they had the female students in there handing out stuff, working around. For a while, I was the only female football SID in the country. And then gradually some, you know, others came along and we all made contact and had our own little club. (laughs) But did you ever feel like you got talked down to? Nothing horrible. Just kind of letting me know that I probably didn't need to be in there. Mm. I don't want to get anybody in trouble but statute limitations is up okay yeah there was a place one place where i was going in the press box and the guy put up his arm at the door and uh, he said you can't go in there and uh, i said how come and he goes because you're a woman and i was just floored Hmm. never faced that before and never you know you talk about it all these years later and it's just mind-boggling to us that Uh that would happen because there's females all over, not only the sports information world now, but all of sports media. So yeah. that seems like a very foreign concept, but it wasn't that long ago when all that was going on. Mm-hmm. Well, luckily, some of our administrators said she is going in there. So <laughs> I went in. And then there was also that time, you know, there was a lot of uh, discussion about female reporters in locker rooms yeah. and we never really had that issue. I would talk to them. We had a few female reporters, and I'd talk to them, and none of them ever wanted to go. And I didn't. I don't think I'm one of these people who thinks that nobody probably should go. You know, let them have their time first, and yeah. then do the interviews. But anyway, it was a different time and a different way of doing things. You just kind of went with the flow. You were. An honorary inductee into the A-State Hall of Honor this past fall. I thought that was a very deserving honor, and uh, I know it meant a whole lot to you, too. Yeah, you'll make me shed a few tears. That was really uh, just a complimentary thing. I've never been so proud. When they approached me with it, I thought, I kind of laughed, really, because I thought, you know, I don't play a sport. I don't, you know, do anything like that but anyway i it it meant a lot to me and still means a lot to me i know the people that are in that hall of honor and there's some pretty impressive names in there and just to be a part of that group well uh, i'll tell you there's just you know hosting that event that night and i always look forward to the hall of honor banquet but we had our best class ever, I thought, this past year with, with Ryan Applin and Demario Davis and Todd Baumgartner and Sharika Nelvis, yeah, yeah. and then mm-hmm. Joe Slayton went in there as well. But I was as excited about you know introducing <laughs> you as I was anybody else well, up there. Well, I appreciate that. I was real proud to see all those people get in. Uh, Joe Slayton was a player you know, back when... Actually, when I was in school, he started out to be a player, and then I I became the SID. So I was real proud for him. And uh, Terry (coughs) Mahajer was a player. Yeah, we forget about that. Yeah, he he used to always say, we'd get in a big group, and he'd say, tell all these people that I was the best safety that ever played at (laughs) ASU. And I'd go, why would I do that? You know, he'd laugh. But that was the biggest joy of working 
in athletics was being around all the student athletes and getting to know them and their backgrounds and their home lives. And it's just they all were their own story. And I enjoyed listening to them all the time. Yeah. Well, the, the, I know they're talking about, and, and he mentioned that class. It is probably the most star-studded class. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that, that that thing's ever had. But none of those cats impacted this place more than you. Well, I don't know. <laughs> and that's the truth. No, I agree well, with that. Well, I appreciate you saying that. Uh, the job that, after I left athletics and I went over to the administration building actually doing the same kind of job that I did in athletics. It was just not sports. But people would still call and ask me stuff about athletics and still do. And that's fine. It was just weird to, you know, change from one to the other. And, and But it still felt kind of like I was doing the same thing. And we can sit here and ask you to tell stories all day. And you mentioned Coach Lacewell and his personality, but you know, just when you look back, talk about some of the other maybe big personalities that, that stand out for you. Another person, and I really miss this person, Guy Cottrell. He had a similar personality to Coach Lacewell, just real enthusiastic all the time, loved his athletes, uh, was a great coach. Of course, he and Earl, you know, gave us so much international publicity and he was fun to work with. And then the coach that came after him, Jay Flanagan, mm-hmm. you know, when you're working those track meets at some of these other events, you're just with them all the time. And uh, there are many times that, you know, we'd work so late at night and, you know, go get carry out to eat and all this. <laughs> and uh, see, I did like the baseball coaches. <laughs> um trying to think of who else. Oh, well, uh, the basketball staffs, of course, I started out with Marvin Adams mm-hmm. and then uh, Nelson Catalina, who became a very good friend, Dickie Nutt, and then Brian Boyer. Was a, I, you can probably talk about him all day. He's a, I still hear from him at Christmas and on my birthday. Oh, yeah. Well, we get the birthday text, too, from you? Coach Boyer. No, <laughs> nobody's better at that. Yeah. And his paper calendar that he keeps up with all his birthdays on does he still a paper calendar yeah yeah well i was always still touched that he would after he left he'd still send a message <laughs> there's so many all the assistants you know those might be the ones you get to know the most because they're really the ones that you deal with you know to ask your I don't know, the kind of little questions, I guess. Well, the people that, I guess, were around the longest, you yeah. know, the Ron Carrolls, Coach oh, yeah. Temp, people like yeah. that, I know, made a huge impact as well. Well, Ron was in my office just the other day, and we were talking about, we get together sometime, talk about the old days, and I keep asking him, when are you going to retire at He's nowhere near ready, so he'll stay. He's got a football game in 2025 circled on his calendar. He does. He wants that game real bad. (laughs) He he said, I won't retire until we get that one. And uh, he wants to do 50 years. And I kind of wanted to do that too, but I'm beginning to realize it wasn't going to (laughs) happen. And uh, yeah, he just, he's got it all laid out. But you got your, I mean, like, you got 50 in. 
kind of showing up as a student, right? Yeah. Jared, I mean, who knew? What if, what if we'd have gone to a state freshman, Gina Bowman, and said, "Hey, you're never leaving." Yeah. <laughs> what would that kid have said? Well, it wasn't that I was dying to leave. I'd run into a few health problems lately, and uh, kind of thought about it then. And during the COVID, the 2020, when then COVID was real rampant. I missed a lot of work, and I, you know, gave me time to think about, you know, what was ahead and what what you want to do. And but I came back to work, and I still liked it and everything. But this last time in January, I was in the hospital again, and I was laying there watching TV one day, and I thought, you know, I'm going to retire. That had never happened before, and then. I thought, you never really entertained the thought. No, I just thought I'd be here forever. <laughs> and uh, the more I thought about it, I said, well, don't make a hasty decision, you know, give it some thought. So I did. And uh, I've always heard people say, you know, you'll know when it's time. And in my mind, I just knew it was time. But could you have ever fathomed you'd work at one place? No. Your, your whole life? No. And I've heard, uh, talked to people before, you know, some of my friends in the past go, you still there? <laughs> I go, I guess I'll stay here till I expire. But no, I can't imagine working anywhere else. That's And I've been so lucky. I'm from Jonesboro, so I've been so lucky to live here in my hometown and do jobs that I love at a place that I loved. And managed to, you know, remain around my family and those things. A lot of people don't get to do that, and it means a lot to me. Well, you, you've left an amazing legacy here, and you are synonymous with Arkansas State and the athletic department because of what you've been able to do here. And, you know, Brad mentioned the word trailblazer earlier, and that's exactly true. What you were as a woman in sports information, you were a trailblazer, and, you know, just how I remember you and how I'm always going to remember you is getting that first call from you. When I got hired 17 years ago, the only other person I had talked to in the athletic department prior to that was Dr. Lee. And Mm -hmm. after I was hired, shortly after, one of the very first phone calls I received was from you. And you couldn't have been more welcoming to me. And that always meant a lot to me. Well, I won't tell y'all then since we've reached this point. You guys have been a pleasure to be around and work with and so cooperative. And uh, and I'd always hope that our office took care of you a little bit anyway. Oh, yeah. Well, you know where I mean, really reason I wanted to bring her in here was after all these years, I kind of want to rip her a little bit. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> and she, I don't know where she, you're going. She's got, she's got no reason. My guess, I don't know if we've ever talked about it, and she's got no reason to know it. But when I was coming out of college, so it's either you know, either straight out of 1999, it might have been 2000. They had a job open in sports information. And I was looking for a way to get things started, mm-hmm. you know. I applied for that job in sports information and didn't get a sniff. I'm no, sorry. Not a sniff. <laughs> well, I thought that was a solid decision, Gina. It was, because here's the deal. Nothing would have played out the same way. Had I gone to work in sports information, I wouldn't have then gotten a chance to 
to call ball games. I mean, it was all spun differently. So because of that, that's why I kind of, kind of give you a little fake yeah. grief now. I missed out then on a good chance to have a great employee. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you hired some jabroni that didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gina, this has been a lot of fun, just kind of reminiscing. And with you having your retirement reception this week, thought it would be a great time to have you in. And we appreciate you coming in and visiting with us today. Well, thank you. I enjoyed it, uh, like I said. And I mean this with all my heart that... There was always a part of me that, you know, sports information meant that you look after the media. And even though I was representing Arkansas State University, and I understood that role as well, y'all are among the ones that just absolutely thrilled to be able to know y'all and work with you. And I think both y'all do a great job. So keep it on. Well, thank you so much for everything, Gina. That's Gina Bowman joining us here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. We've got more to come right after this. You raised your family here. Did every July 4th here refinish the floors here twice? Sized up your daughter's boyfriends here? Waited in the doorway all day when your son was coming home on leave. This place has given you all you've dreamed of, and now it's giving again in the form of a gourmet kitchen and the quietest dishwasher known to man. Realize your dream with a home equity line of credit from Simmons Bank. Dreams realized. SimmonsBank.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender, subject to credit approval. Wrapping things up here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Thanks again to Gina Bowman for coming in. And you hit it on the head. I don't think we really appreciated while she was in the role that she was in at Arkansas State in sports information as being the trailblazer that she was. I thought that was a very good word that you used because she really was the only woman SID there for quite some time. And I'd like to know just how many there were nationally at the same time she was trying to do it, if if there was anybody else. And then you look at females in sports media today and in sports information as well, that number has grown exponentially. But Gina was one of the first. Yeah, the only ever kind at the time. And, you know, she also, we didn't talk about for the bulk of those years, you know, she was also the senior women administrator for the athletic department. So. But she's a state to the core. I mean, showed up for college and never left. Just the sweetest person you're ever going to come across. No doubt about it. Another person that we talked about quite a bit in that interview was Larry Lacewell. And the information has been released for his memorial service. It will be Friday, June the 17th from 6 until 9 at First National Bank Arena. And I'm sure this is going to be quite the crowd. I'm glad they're doing it at First National Bank Arena. So everyone that wants to can come and pay their respects. I think there'll be a lot of people there and I think there will be some notable names in attendance that night. I don't know how you show up necessarily to tell a bunch of stories about one of the world's great storytellers because you can't do it as good as him, but it'll be fun watching them try. Well, he's got some friends that can tell some really good stories <laughs> and he's got some as well. To, and I guarantee you he's got some of the good stories they can't tell at that deal, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's just as many stories they can't tell. But 
you kind of gave us a preview a little bit earlier of your rant for today. No, you know, I didn't really know that. Here's here's what happened. You mentioned those countdowns, and they're not my bag. When people, it's it's a hundred days and a hundred of this and ninety nine. It's it's. I don't need the one hundred days of football. I want to get to the end of the season and see the Red Bulls win one golden ring, and that's my that's my level of interest in that. So I'm not going to rant about that. As a matter of fact, it reminded me that I wanted to go. I I, I got out my rant list. I keep on my okay. phone. And the, the timing of this is good because we're the part of that summer where folks and, and there's already some going on, but there'll be a lot more two day golf tournaments that people play in. Whether those be two man scrambles, two person scrambles, three person scrambles, whatever, where you play Saturday, the tournament gets flighted, and then you come play Sunday. And you're, you know, savers. If the field gets busted into four flights, then those flights are each their own tournament. The teams that shot sure. scores like you on Saturday, the only ones you're competing against. Well. Let me tell you what happens in these things. There's this term that all the golfers are going to know. If they've ever played in one of these things, they're going to know the term sandbaggers. And these are goofballs that show up. I mean, you get to play 36 holes of golf in one of these things, and they spend 18 of them piddle-dicking around and not trying to play as good as they can play. (laughs) So that they've got all this room to improve, shoot six, seven, eight, nine, ten strokes better the next day. Because apparently, and I didn't realize it, and I, I guess maybe maybe it's because I play in these things and don't ever get in the money. I didn't realize there was life-changing money on the line. But apparently, you know, for some of these folks, a couple hundred bucks or some pro shop credit or something, I mean, it's life-changing money to the point that you would pull back on the reins all day Saturday so you got some room to improve, and I don't get it. And number one, I don't get to play enough golf to spend half the golf I'm playing on a weekend trying not to play the best. And number two, at some point in time, you goofy sandbaggers keep backing up, and you get to be in a flight. There's no flight for people like me to sandbag to. There's not. There's no other flight to go back to. I've pulled back as far as I can go. Now I got to deal with people that can show up on the second day and shoot five or six under. Why didn't you do that the first day, Jack Leg? Go play with the people you got to be playing with. All right, I get it. I'm going to ask you this. Okay. Are you a victim? Of somebody oh, absolutely. Because again, sandbagging. But sure, every tournament, every time. Because again, my lot, the people, the people I ought to be playing against, especially if it's my dad and I in a tournament, we play in a tournament up there at his course every year and his member guest, right? And the whatever flight you'll come, the last flight is where we belong. There's also no flight for us to sandbag into, right? So if we just if we said, well, we're going to shoot a hundred here, so we can sandbag. Well, we'd be in the last flight, just thirty strokes behind. But we're going to be in there. I mean, in, in a heck, I, I could just about tell you by name who they'll be when the time comes. They're going to shoot a certain score the first day to get in that flight, and then shoot seven strokes better the next day because that's the magic number they can shoot and not get bumped up to another flight. I want to say, like, if you need the money that bad, don't spend the money you got buying your way into a golf tournament. If you got to have the money that's on the line so bad, then the money you spent to play could have probably been put to better use. Sandbaggers, you've been called out. That's right. Think twice before you play in it's that just next dumb. weekend scramble. It's just dumb. Matter of fact, it's not dumb. Because here I was taught, my band director always taught that dumb is you don't know. Stupid is you know and do it anyway. <laughs> So sandbagging's stupid. It ain't dumb. It's stupid. That's the most fired up I've seen you in a while. You feel better? I do. All right. Thanks again to Gina Bowman. We appreciate you listening, as always, to the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank.